0: Listen, we're going to finish up uh, something today. We've been in a series over some time uh, called Building Your Faith, Discovering Your Faith. And um, I want to go back and kind of remind you of how we started uh, the series. We've had some things uh, go on during the series. We had Father's Day in there. I think we had Graduation Sunday and uh, those types of things. So, um, you know, it kind of got broken up a little bit with this series. But when the Lord put this on... Uh, my heart, Dietra's heart we started this, you know she preached the first message of this series Uh, I felt uh, a very uh, I felt it very heavy, if you will on my heart Um, because, listen we've said this before uh, that the definition of insanity is what? Anybody? Doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results I feel like some of us have been doing the same thing over and over and expect different results. I'm not going to tell you you're insane. I'm not saying that, <laughs> but I just will tell you what the definition of insanity is. <laughs> and so if we want some things to change, come on. I was talking to a guy uh, on, my, on my job, my office, um, a while back. And he was just complaining about the way everything was going, you know, at the, at the job. It's, this is this, and that uh, is that, and these people do this, and I just can't understand why this happens. And I mean, it's like all day long. And the first few complaints he had, I understood. I was going with him. I said, Yeah, you know, it is that way. Man, I don't know why. You know, but by, you know, about lunchtime, it was like, Please shut up. You know, let's just do some work. <laughs> And a thought came to me, if you want something to change, it's not going to change by complaining. It, the only way it's going to change is by you jumping in there and changing it. Come on. You've got to be part of the change. Well, we know that with companies. We know that with churches. We know that with organizations. But I want to tell you that this morning that it's that way with your own life. Some of you need to stop waiting for someone else to come and change your life. Stop waiting on a call. Stop waiting on something else. It's time for you to make the change. Now, I'm talking to myself as well. I'm not just preaching to you. I'm looking in a mirror this morning, okay? So if we're going to, if this church is going to change, if we're going to grow, come on. It's up to me and you, right? To invite people, to disciple people, to pray and to do all those things. If things are going to change in your life, it's up to you to change. If you're having a problem with someone on your job, your boss, someone getting on your nerves, start right here. Be nice to them. The Bible says by being nice to them, you'll heap coals on their head. Come on. Come on, somebody. And so if we want to change, look, it starts right here with us. And I think that's why the Lord put this on my heart so much, this thing about developing your faith in God, developing your belief in the Lord, because we all quote, listen, John 10.10, 10, the thief comes. To kill, steal, and destroy. But Jesus said, what? I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. And we go, yeah, praise the Lord. And then we go out and just, you know, live the opposite. I mean, we're just, we're sick. We Our, our, our pockets have a hole in it. We spend all our money. Come on. Never can get the things we want to get. I know it's a little quiet and that's a little, I'm on front street, you know, starting out. I understand that. I get it. You know, but listen, the, the Lord's speaking to me just like he's speaking to you. Come on. All right? So I want you if, you, if you have your Bible, we're going to finish up our series this morning on developing your faith. Developing your faith. If you have your Bible or your device or some kind of way to get the scripture, or maybe just pull it out of your memory, I want you to go to second, not second, I just want you to go to Solomon. There's only one Solomon. Don't go to 2nd Solomon because you'll never find it. Just go to Solomon. The second chapter. That's where I want you. Solomon, the second chapter. Now listen, we, we've we been, we talked about this faith and Pastor D, when she first started this series, gave you a great definition of faith. There's something there that you, you, you cannot be turned. You cannot be changed. You have set your face to it. It's a belief that you have and nothing can change you from that belief. Right? And then we begin to talk about it a little more. We we understand that God is not our genie. He's not a magician. You know, it's not like we wake up in the morning and we think a thought, "Oh, I want a different tree in my yard." And so we say tree seven times and a tree will appear in our yard. That's not the way God deals with us. You know, he's not a genie. We don't rub a lamp and come up with what we want. God is about a relationship. He, the Holy Spirit, He, Jesus walked this earth. He, He wants a relationship with us, amen? And so when you quote Mark eleven twenty two, remember that it's not a formula that gets you to the abundant life. It's a person, the person of Jesus Christ. You don't have faith in your own abilities. You don't have faith in your money. You don't have faith in the atmosphere. You don't have faith in the supernatural. You have faith in Jesus Christ. And based on that, all of those other things happen. The supernatural comes out of your relationship and your faith with Jesus Christ. Come on. The abundant life comes out of your faith and your relationship with Jesus Christ. Romans 10, 17 says this. Faith comes by what? Hearing. And hearing by the word of God. Does anybody remember what we talked about that word? Word is in the Greek. Remember that? Anybody? Rhema. Rama. God breathed something to you. God revealed something to you. God spoke something to you. It came alive to you. As if you're reading scripture. I've read it a hundred times. But Wow. I didn't really realize that. It hit me. That's an example of rhema. It, it, it means something to you. You get a witness to it. God speaks to you. It's every, your faith is based on the Word of God. Now, conversely, I'll say all that. Conversely, I'll say that so many people have the Word of God in their hand. Got Bibles open at home, on the table. Come on. Got the big Bible, too. Big old Bible open. Psalm 23. Come on. He leadeth me. Right? Bible's on the shelf. Bible app. Got all kind of stuff. And still don't live an abundant life. Got the Word. The Word of God. God's Word is there. Now you're not treating Him like a genie. All you're doing is going by His Word. And we still are downtrodden, disappointed, offended, come on, walking in lack, continually sick, come on, all of those things. I know the enemy brings those things against us, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying if that happens to any of you, you're not in faith, that's not what I'm saying, but I'm telling you, we just cannot accept the enemy coming up in our house, come on, and just doing anything he wants to do, and that's just life, that's just the way it is, come on, That just must be God's will for my life. Why don't you first find out God's will for your life and then go by that? Come on. And so faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's what develops our faith. That's what we have to stand on. Then we started talking about, I got into this thing about the little foxes of faith. And that's what I want to finish with today. The first one we talked about was doubt. Doubt is the thief of the greater blessings of God. It's a thief of the blessings of God. God Doubt will steal. Doubt will steal your blessings. It will steal your joy. It will steal your hope. It will steal so many things from you that you don't even realize you're in lack. Doubt. The book of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Says this, says, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Now, that word spoil there, I'm using this, this, this passage of scripture, sort of metaphorically to talk about faith and what we're talking about here. What it uh, literally was talking about was God was talking to Solomon and and, then the people of Israel about some prophets that were coming in. They were the little foxes that spoil the vine, the tender vine. But I want to talk to you a little bit about your life and your faith. That word spoil there comes from a Hebrew word, "chabal," chabal. And it means many things. It means to deteriorate, all right? It means to poison. It means all of that. And so when you look at that, catch us the foxes, the little foxes that deteriorate, that spoil, that poison our faith. Very often, it's not something big that will trip you up. Because you can see something big. If you're driving down the street, and there's a big boulder in the highway, and you continue on and run into the boulder, well, now we got a different definition of insanity. (laughs) Uh, You see the boulder, and so you can get out of the way. But the little pebble that's in the road, the little piece of wood that you don't see, is what often trips us up. You see, it says, catch us the foxes, not the big foxes, The little foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vine. Doubt is one of those foxes. Another one we talked about was unforgiveness. Some people move in unforgiveness and don't even realize it. They're just mad at somebody because they did something to them. And you're right. They did do something. They talked about you. They stole a thing. They did something to you. And you're right to be mad at them. But when you make a decision to not forgive them, you have just spoiled the vine. You're spoiling your faith. Remember we talked about that, remember we talked about that, uh, that, that, uh, that proverb that Jesus gave, that parable that Jesus gave about the man who, the, 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 his, his friend owed him so much money and he forgave all of his debt. And then that guy went out and found someone who owed him money. Instead of forgiving him, he threw him in jail. You remember that parable, right? And remember, we talked about how much money that would be today and how much God has forgiven us. And some of us have the gall, the audacity to not forgive others. Even when they do something, you write about it. Now, well, you don't understand, Brother Mike. You don't know what they did to me. Yeah, but God knows what they did to you. I know, and I know you want, you can can quote scripture that backs you up. You can do all those things of how they're wrong and you're right. But guess what? I hate to tell you this. God's not interested in their wrong and your right. He's interested in your heart. Your heart. Where is your heart? Is your heart in forgiveness or is it not? And so unforgiveness can be a little fox that will spoil our faith. It will spoil our walk with the Lord. And we must know this and we must conquer this. Otherwise, we are a hamster in a wheel doing the same thing over and over, not getting any results. Come on. I don't know if you've ever been there. I've been there in my life. It seems like I'm doing everything I'm supposed to be doing, but it's not working. I'm not, I'm not going anywhere spiritually. I'm confessing what I believe I'm supposed to confess with the word. I'm trying to be nice to people, but there's a little fox that will spoil the vine. Let's look at some others, some foxes that will spoil the vine. Could it possibly be that you're not where you want to be? Come on, because of a little fox. Foxes that spoil the vine. Another fox is worry. You know this. Worry. Worry is a fox that will spoil our vine. And let me tell you this about worry. You know, Christians worry, and many people worry, they feel like they're supposed to worry. In fact, think about it. Think about yourself for a moment. Many people feel guilty if they don't worry. Come on. If something's going on with your children in your family, At your job, I heard they're going to be getting rid of some people. They're going to be making some cutbacks. And you see this guy come in, oh, well, cutback or not, I'm here. I'm having fun. I'm just going to work my job. What's wrong with this guy? Doesn't he understand? They're going to be, he's probably the first one. You feel guilty if you don't worry. Christians feel guilty if they don't worry. But guess what? What does worry get you? It, it, exactly. It gets you sick. It gets you with some itises. Come on. You have a situation. You worry about the situation. You come back. The situation's still there. Worry has done absolutely nothing. What are some things we worry about? Money. Come on. People. What else? Future. Oh, future's a big one. What's going to happen tomorrow? What's going to happen in November? I'm tired of talking about that. Oh, what's going to happen? I'm voting for the other guy. (laughs) I was watching a movie one time and this guy was so disenchanted with the political system that he he ran, but he ran as none of the above. So he said, vote for none of the above. (laughs) Everybody voted for none of the above. (laughs) But listen... Whoever is on the throne in D.C., whoever is the leader of parliament, as the English pulled out of their deal with the Europeans, whoever is wherever, there's still one throne that God sits on. Come on. And it's the throne above every other throne. And so you don't have to worry about who the leader of Japan is. You don't have to worry about who's in the White House. Now, we do our part. I'm not getting political on you. I'm telling you, we vote, we have a voice, you do all of those things. I'm talking about worry. You do all you can do, and don't worry. Don't worry about it. Turn to to Philippians chapter 4. You you know this verse of Scripture. You know it. You know it. Philippians chapter 4. Actually, we're going to get into a series coming up. And uh, I'm very excited about it. It's going to be off of 4-8. This morning, we're going, to, we're going to look at verses 6 and 7. And Paul, if you really look at what Paul is saying here, it's very interesting to me. Uh, when I really kind of uh, went back and kind of studied uh, Paul's intent, not just what he was saying, but how, the, the meaning of what he was saying and how it, how it possibly came across. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 says what? Be anxious for just a few things. Be anxious for nothing, but in some things you might want to pray. Come on, somebody, talk to me. But in all things, in everything, by prayer and supplication, up oh, with thanksgiving, come on, let your requests be made known to God. And, and the peace, not just a worldly peace, come on. I'm not talking about the absence of conflict. I'm not talking about you in the other room and I'm in here, it's some peace. We just not argue. That's not the peace I'm talking about. Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the peace of God. I'm talking about tranquility. I'm talking about no worry. I'm talking about a spiritual bliss. I know the world is not in, but I'm talking about spiritual bliss. Come on. The peace of God. That's what Paul told us. Which surpasses. It goes way above what we could even comprehend. All of our understanding, it will guard your heart and your mind through Christ Jesus. I didn't see worry anywhere in there. Did you see worry? What did it say? Prayer and supplication. Give it to God. With thanksgiving. How many people are going to be in a situation and going to give God thanks? Now, I'm not saying giving them thanks for the thing that happened to you. But in it, you're thanking God for keeping you. You're thanking him for the result of the thing by your faith in him. Come on. You're thanking him because you overcome. But if you worry, it's going to trip you up. Your mind won't be on Christ. Come on. Flip back a little bit to Proverbs. Another one you know. I know y'all know these scriptures. Just reminding you this morning. Proverbs chapter 3. You know it very well. Look, what did I say? I said we quote these things, but now I'm talking about do we live it? That's the difference. Many of us can quote the scriptures, but do we live the scriptures? That's where God wants to get us to. Come on. Talking to myself, I'm pointing. Look, see? Don't worry. (laughs) Pointing right there. Do we live it? 3-5. You know it. Y'all can quote it without even looking at it. Trust in the Lord with all, 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 all your heart, all of it, Trust him with it all and lean not to your own understanding and in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. Now, come on, lean not. It didn't say lean to your own understanding. Maybe I'm not looking at it right. Trust in yourself. I got to get to the right light. Oh, trust in the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Now, I know you understand some things. Some of you educated. Come on. I know y'all know some stuff. You know some words. You know some big words. You know some formulas. Some of y'all know some algorithms. Come on. I know it. y'all know some political things. Y'all know how the economy works, right? Right? Sometimes I can't understand that. All right, y'all, y'all, you guys know some stuff. But God hits you right between the eyes when he says, lean not to your own understanding. But in all of your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. You don't have to worry. You don't have to worry about it. It's your tendency to worry. And I, I'm, I know it's difficult. See, it's easy in here today to say, "Yep, yeah, that's right, don't worry, I ain't even worried. But when you get in it tomorrow, now you're in it. Come on, we ain't in church, we ain't playing no songs, nobody preaching, no fellowship. Come on, you in it now. This is what I'm talking about. That's when God does not want you to worry. He wants you to trust him in it. Look at Matthew. Go back to the New Testament. Matthew chapter 6. Another familiar passage of Scripture. God is telling us, please, please, don't worry. Beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Come on. Do not worry. Matthew chapter 6. Now, I don't know about your Bible, but you might not have it if you're looking at your device, you know. But my Bible has all these words right here in red. So that's Jesus talking. I know because it's in red. This ain't Paul, this ain't Peter, not Bartholomew, Thomas. Come on. It's not Dorcas. Y'all didn't know Dorcas was in there, did you? She wasn't impossible. She was in Old Testament. This is Jesus talking right here. So I don't know. There's no greater authority. In verse 25, he said, Therefore, I say to you, 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 I'm talking to you. This morning, I'm talking to you. Do not worry about your life. Come on. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, here it is, which one of you? I'd like to know this. Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? Come on. So then his question to you is, why do you worry? Why you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet, somehow, I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these now. If God so clothes the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is thrown into the oven will he not much more clothe you O you of little faith? Therefore he goes on. Do not worry. Saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. That's 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 for people that are not saved. That's for them. Let them worry. For after all these things Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. He knows you need every last one of them. He knows. But seek ye first. The kingdom of God and his righteousness, and he might add some of them to you. Come on. All these things will be added unto you. All good and perfect gifts come from above. God doesn't keep anything back. Come on. All these things will be added unto you. He ain't done. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. For tomorrow will worry about its own. They worry about itself. Come on. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Don't worry about tomorrow. Now, he's not telling you don't prepare, don't fill out an application, don't save some money. He's not telling you that. I'm talking about worry. We hinder ourselves by worrying, it stubs us. Come on. Don't worry. Christians do it all the time. And I'm telling you, we feel like we're, we're guilty if we don't worry. Don't worry. Here's what you're doing when you're worrying. You're saying, God, I know you're God, but I really don't trust you to get this thing done. That's what you're saying. That's When you start worrying, you're telling God you really don't trust him. Because he just said, don't worry. You know, another thing that trips us up is fear. Fear could go right along with worry. Come on. There's a difference between fear and respect. Okay? But fear will keep us paralyzed. I remember one time I was helping my my uncle. We were painting a house, and he was getting it ready uh, to rent out. And uh, we were doing a lot of work. We were painting, and we were working in the yard, and we were doing all this stuff. And uh, I just, uh, you know, I just do not like spiders. Just the spiders, you know, my wife would tell you, I just don't like spiders. And I remember one time when we had our house here, there was a, a spider on the door. I mean, I'd about beat the door. In fact, I put a hole in the door, killing the spider. Had to go to Lowe's and get a new door. Yeah. I mean, I just, if I see a spider in the house, buddy... You know, if they're outside, I leave them alone. They're if I see them on the, on the, on the animal planet, you know, i watch it. But if it's in the house, now you fair territory now. I'll tear up the house to kill a spider. And I remember I was with my uncle and I was sitting, we were taking a break and I was sitting on the porch. And I was thinking to myself, I really don't like spiders. And uh, we had done all this work in the yard. And all of a sudden I looked down, I was drinking my little pop or whatever it was I had, and I saw a spider. And then the spider was coming toward me. And I thought to myself, I, I don't like spiders. Now, my mind was saying, kill the spider or just go to the other side of the porch. Leave the spider alone. But my body wouldn't move. And so the closer it got, I started sweating. And then the spider crawled up on my shoe. And I couldn't move. I said, the spider. And I couldn't even talk. And finally, by the grace of God, something he must have thrown, something down in me that I jumped up and ran and got away from the spider somehow. I don't know how I got away from it. I mean, it had me, but I somehow broke loose. God broke me loose from the spider. And I was just thinking, now, you'll be happy to know that the spider was only about this big. I don't even know what kind of, it wasn't a he wasn't even a daddy long leg spider. It wasn't an ugly, black, hairy spider. It was just a regular old, you know, grass spider or whatever you call it. I don't know what kind of spiders there are. And uh, I was thinking, how in the world would a spider paralyze me to the point where I can't move, I can't talk? It's when I was little. Do you realize that we as Christians go through the same thing? When we get in fear, when something makes us afraid, we cannot move. It will paralyze us. God is telling us, Go! No, the giants are a little bigger over there. It's, there's some big giants. We can't do it. And God is saying, go, do it. Fill out the application. Start the business. Go to school. Do whatever it is that's in your heart to do. But we get paralyzed because of fear. And how many know that 2 Timothy one seven? you know what it says. Come on. For God has not what? Given us the spirit of Of fear. But what has he given us? Power. What else? Love. Love. Come on, you can think right now. I should have been able to think right when that spider was coming. Had a sound mind. But all that went away when the spirit of fear came in. God is ready for you to move forward in some things. But you're hindered by fear. Look at Proverbs 12, 25. I'm going back and forth. Proverbs 12, verse 25. Look at what he says about this. It says, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression. But a good word makes glad. Fear, worry, anxiety causes depression. For you to walk around with your head down. Come on. You are a child of God. You are an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You are above and never again beneath. You are blessed in the city. You are blessed in the field. You are blessed when you come in. You are blessed when you go out. What do you have to worry about? Why are you walking in fear? Why are you anxious? You know, when Paul said that thing in in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, Be anxious for nothing. Really, if you, if you go back and you really study it, study it out in the Greek, you kind of begin to get a sense of how, what, what Paul's attitude was when he said that, when he gave it. And what I really got from that is he said, stop being anxious. But he didn't say it like that. It was like, stop being anxious. You need to look in the mirror and tell yourself, stop being anxious. Get a hold of your emotions. Don't let your emotions rule you. You rule your emotions. Stop being anxious. That's what Paul is telling you here this morning. Look at Hebrews. Go over to Hebrews 13. Another one. Just a few scriptures. I just want to back it up because this, this is not the book of Michael telling you this. This is not, you know, me and my experiences. I'm not giving you what I, I've experienced. What God is giving us this morning is what he wants us to do. Verse 13. I mean, verse chapter 13 Look at verse 5. Let, let your conduct be without covetousness and be content with such things as you have. For he himself said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will Not fear. What can man do to me? Think about it. What can man do to you? And I'll take it a step further. I'm not adding to the word. I'm not adding to it. But I'll take it to this level. What can Satan do to you? What can he really do to you? I mean, you may have seen some things on TV of what demons and the devil does. But what can Satan do to you? I'll tell you what he can do to you. Tis, T-I-S, thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. That's all he can do to you. He can put stuff in your mind. He can try to lead you astray, and then you do it to you. When you find yourself in a certain situation that's non-desirable, look back and see how you really got there. Was it Satan? Did the devil make me do it? Or did he give you a thought, an idea, or a suggestion, or a fear worry, or anxiety. Did he put that in your head? And that's how you got to where you are today. Fear will stop you in your tracks, and you can go nowhere else. So we got worry. That's a little fox. We got fear. We've got to overcome that. Another big one, I'll tell you what, is a fox that really trips us up is a battle for the mind. Not battle of the mind, Battle for the mind. Your enemy wants your mind. What are you thinking about? What's on your mind? What do you think about? Philippians 2.5 says this. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let his mind be in you. Don't let your carnal mind take you where it wants to go. Now, I'll tell you something else. If Satan can control your mind, he can control your life. I'm going to say that again. If Satan can control your mind, he can control your life. How many times have you, you, made a mountain out of a molehill? Something my grandfather used to say. <laughs> Michael, you're making a mountain out of a molehill. That means it's not that big of a deal, but you're making it a big deal. Because of the mind, this carnal mind, it starts going places, and we just let it go. What did Paul tell us to do? He said, bring those thoughts captive into captivity under Christ. You grab a hold of it, it's up to you. This is what I was talking about when we first started. It's up to us. Stop waiting on somebody else. And i tell you what, this right here is where it starts in the battle for the mind. What are you thinking about? Are you letting other people tell you how to think? Come on, are they running your thought life? Because if they are, they're running your life. Come on, is the enemy running your thought life? Because if he is, he's running your life. It's up to you to stand up and grab a hold of that thought and bring it captive. Bring it into captivity under this word. Does that thought line up with the word of God? No, let's compare it to the word. What does God say about the thing? God said I was an overcomer. That's what I'm gonna start acting like. See, we we want to wait for things to happen, and then we can say, okay, yeah, that's what I am. We wanna we wanna go out. Just think of just think of athletes, because a lot of times we think athletes are, are so arrogant, and they are. <laughs> a lot of the good ones are very very arrogant. <laughs> But here, but just think about this. Do you think LeBron James goes out on the court and doesn't really know what to do or what's going on, but then all of a sudden when he makes a dunk, he says, Oh, I'm a basketball player. He just found out because I dunked the ball, so yeah, I'm a basketball player. Okay. No. He already knew he was a basketball player. He already knew he could and would dunk the ball. He already knew all those things. Then he just started acting like what he already was. You understand what I'm saying? You are a Christian. You're already an overcomer. You're already the head and not the tail. Come on. You're already there. You're already in high, seated in high places with Christ Jesus. You already walk on water. Walk on your circumstances. Come on. You're already an overcomer. Now we just need to start acting like it. We need to start walking in it. Come on, don't wait for the manifestation until you start acting like a Christian. Come on, we want God to bless us, but we have trouble forgiving people. Come on, want a bigger house, want a boat, want an abundant life, but sometimes we can't tithe. Look, I ain't throwing no stones. Or just give, I'm talking about be a giver. We don't give to other people when they're in need. Come on. We want God to bless us. We need to take these thoughts captive. Come on, folks. Battle for the mind. Look at 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10. We're going through here. We're almost done. I just want to finish up. I think this is important for us to really get this in our spirit because we cannot move forward. Come on, saints. We cannot move forward with these foxes that continue to trip us up. And listen, the reason why you say, well, why is he just harping on this Faith, you know, why is it, you know, is it, I'm not talking about magic, but why are we harping on this faith? It's because you cannot please God without it. Realize it this morning that you cannot please God without faith. And the just, the righteous, those who belong to the Lord shall walk by faith and not by sight. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus. Chapter ten. Let's see. Where do we want to start? Look at. Look, let's start at verse three. Uh, 2 Corinthians ten, verse three says, "For though we walk in the flesh, come on, you still in the. You still got the flesh around these old bones, but we do not war. Uh oh, we are in a war." We do not war according to the flesh. That's how we do as Christians. If I could just pause for two seconds there. We do that as Christians. We war according to the flesh. We go by what we see. And that's how we fight. But Paul is trying to tell us that you don't war according to the flesh. Verse 4. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds. I can pull down some strongholds. Come on. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Here it is. Bringing into captivity. Bringing every thought into captivity and into the obedience. Not just into captivity, but I'm going to bring that thought. It's going to obey Christ. It's going to obey the word of God that's in me. That thought's going to obey me. I'm not obeying it. Come on. It doesn't run me. I run it. Come on. And being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. The battle for the mind. We must be in control of this carnal thing. You cannot let it run rampant. Don't let your mind run rampant, folks. Satan has it. He has your life. very last thing is losing hope. It's the last fox. And it's happened. We lose hope. Turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Last scripture. Somebody say amen. (laughs) Losing hope. If you lose hope, you've lost it all. Come on. You lose hope, you lost it. The hope of our salvation. Hebrews eleven one. Now faith, come on, is the substance of things what? Hoped for. Faith is that substance of that. Hebrews chapter ten, we don't want to lose hope. Let us okay, I'm start back. Let's start back at verse nineteen. Hebrews ten Verse 19 says this. says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil, that is, his flesh, and having a high priest over the house of God, let us, let us draw near with a true heart, in full assurance of faith, all the way back to Pastor Dietrich's definition. Full assurance of faith, I shall not be moved. Full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. He says this, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised us is faithful. We must have hope. Now, notice something that the writer tells us here. I'm telling you that you have to have hope. And you might read that and say, yes, I must. He's telling me to hold fast to my hope. That's not what the scripture says. Look at it again. Hold fast. The what? The confession. That's important. It's important. It doesn't say hold fast to your hope. Hold fast the confession of your hope. You have a hope. You must confess it, even if you're the only one that hears it. Come on. It's important, saints. It's important. Don't try to keep. Otherwise, we're just keeping to ourselves, waiting on something to happen. What are you waiting on to happen? Nothing's going to happen unless you make it happen. Well, God's going to move. God's going to bless. God, He does all those things. But you know what? Last time I checked, now I want to get into a theological argument with you. But last time I checked, God was in his rest. It said the seventh day, God rested. Jesus on the cross said what? It is finished. I did my stuff. I, I spoke. Everything's in motion. All you got to do is get on board. It's like a surfer. Remember the surfer? How silly you look standing out there with the board in your arm, just walking around, waiting for something to happen. I'm walking along the beach. Something's going to happen. Oh, the waves going to move. Y'all just wait. Ten years later, you still there walking back and forth with the board. Get out in the water. Get on the thing. Now when God moves, you ready. I'm going with him. I can't make a wave. Come on. But when the Holy Spirit's doing things, I want to be right there with him. Faith. Come on. I believe in that thing. Let us hold fast to our confession. You must confession. Confess it. Hope affects your attitude about the circumstances. Faith affects the circumstances. Come on. But you have to have the right attitude. If you don't start with the hope, if you don't start with the belief, you'll never get there. You'll never, you'll never have faith. And another thing we define faith as, it is, it is speaking it with corresponding actions. There must be corresponding action. That's why so often in church, now you don't have to get saved this way, but that's why so often in church you answer an altar call. And you get up out of your seat. And you come forward. People are embarrassed. Well, you know, let's see if somebody else goes up. But you're making a public declaration. It's a reason for baptism. Baptism doesn't save you in and of itself. Getting in the water, you're getting out the water. You've done it before. Come on. You've done it before. Most of you, somebody that's never been swimming, you got in the bathtub. When you was little, you got in the bathtub. You might not remember. But you've done it before, so it's not that. And I know know the saying, you can go down a dry devil and come up a wet devil. Nobody ever heard that before? That can happen because your heart's not changed. But it's a public profession of your faith. When you answer an altar call, it's a public confession. It's a public profession of your faith. What does Romans 10, 9 say? Anybody know that? That if you what? Just that first part, if you what? Confess with your mind. It says, with, that's the Bible now. I'm not, Listen, that's not the scripture of Mike. Come on. Paul said it. Jesus told Paul. Paul told us, you must confess with your mouth. That's how the kingdom of God works. That's how faith works. We must hold fast to the confession of our hope. The confession. Speak it out. God's words are powerful, and when He filled you with His Spirit, He gave you that same power because it's the same Spirit. How can it not be? Well, God has all power, but He didn't give all that really to me. He just gave me a little bit of the power. Well, I know. It, it doesn't sound right, but I want to tell you something. When the Holy Spirit filled you, He didn't put half of Himself or just a little just a little piece of Himself in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Him. Him. And all the things he've done, uh, he's done, resurrected bones, can these dry bones live? Come on, yes, they can live. Jesus himself was resurrected by the power of the Holy Spirit. World was turned upside down by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that same Spirit is in you. That's why I can so confidently say that you are an overcomer. You are the head and not the tail. You are the beloved of God. He loves to bless you. He loves for you to overcome. Come on. He loves for those things to happen. And some of you might say, well, you know, I I don't know. I'm in this situation. Well, guess what? God didn't put you in the situation. Come on. But he's already made a way. God... Please make a way. He's saying, son, I already have. You just got to believe in me. Speak my word over the thing. Come on. And I'm going to say this to you. Now, please don't take offense. Please don't take offense. Again, I'm speaking to myself. Stop whining and crying. All right, Lord, I just never have anybody in this car. And just seems like, I'm always sick. I'm not going to say God's not moved by it. But the situation remains the same. You overcome by faith. You overcome by the word of your testimony, confessing it. That ain't going to change. No matter how much you cry, how many tears you shed, come on, how much you whine, grovel, beg, ask, what's some other words? I don't know. Crawl, whatever it is, you know, wallow. How much you do all those things, God's going his heart is going to go out to you and he's going to say, but you still have to believe. Because what did Jesus say? Every time he walked up to someone, do you believe? Do you believe? Well, then get up and walk because of my belief. We must not lose hope.